I, I don't know about you, but there's, there's one gift that I remember more than any other. And my guess is whether you're you know, young or old, you, you remember one Christmas gift more than any other. Uh, for me, I can still remember the Christmas morning that my brothers and I woke up. And of course, we got up way too early and we ran into the living room. And there, up against one of the sofas, was a basketball goal. Some of you are thinking, really, that's the best gift you ever got. You have to understand, I grew up in North Carolina, all right? And in fact, I grew up on Tobacco Road. And if you know anything about Tobacco Road, you know it's the home of basketball. Now, some of you from Indiana be like, no, it's not. Yes, it is, okay? But anyway, um, basketball was just sort of a, a rite of passage for us. And so having a basketball goal meant so much to my brothers and I. I can remember the excitement of that day. I can remember my dad finally put it up in our, in our driveway there. And we had this great driveway to play on. I missed a lot of shots on that basketball goal, but I tried really hard. But we played so many games with family and friends on that goal. And that goal lasted many, many, many years. And there are many, many memories that are part of that particular gift. Tonight, we celebrate an incredible gift. And in fact, it's it's way better than the basketball goal I received many years ago. It's way better than any gift that you have ever received in your life. It was the gift of Jesus. If you've been here at The Journey over the past few weeks, you know that we were in this series called The Untold Stories of Christmas. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the Christmas story. We said for so many people, when we talk about the Christmas story, we, we see it as this little baby Jesus. And he's cute. And he's cuddly, and he's always smiling, and he's got a ton of hair. I mean, this kid is, is perfect, right? It's almost like he's talking to his parents as soon as, he's, as soon as he comes into existence. And, and he's the kind of kid you just want to squeeze his little chubby cheeks. You want to hold his little hands. You want to tickle those little fat feet because he's a baby. And so for us at Christmas time, we, we think about that particular part of the story. In this series, we've said there's so much more going on. We, we said this was a war story and a political story, and a love story. And tonight we talk about how this is a never-ending story. Well, tonight you've already kind of helped with part of what we are reading this evening out of Matthew chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, don't worry. We're going to put it up here on the screens. But in Matthew chapter, not 12, but Matthew chapter 2, we, we meet a group of people that, again, we don't have a ton of information about. But when we look at their story and who they are and how they responded to the birth of Jesus, I think it's something that you and I should, should kind of try to do in our own life, that we respond to this gift the way that these men did. Matthew 2, starting with verse 1, it said, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. We meet these magi. Now, we call them also wise men. Uh, these men were probably from, or more than likely from the Persian Empire. Um, to come to see Jesus, they traveled about 900 miles. It would have taken them upwards of six months, maybe even longer, to take this trip from where they lived, which is present-day Iraq and Iran, to come to Jerusalem to see this new kid. Now, now who are they? Well, these guys really are Persian priests. Uh, they're very important in the government there. They're advisors to the emperor, to the king, to, to those that are in leadership positions. 
their expertise was in three areas that you never talk about at cocktail parties. They were experts in politics, religion, and astrology, because we don't talk about those things when we go to parties, right? And so this is what these guys knew. And so when they would go and, and do with the, or go to the, the king or go to the emperor, they would advise in these particular areas. Well, they know some information that's, that's a little strange for where they live, but it makes a lot of sense for those that are Jewish. They understand this king is supposed to be born, and they know that this king is going to be born in Bethlehem. How do they know this? Well, about 597 B.C., the Babylonians came into Israel, and they took over the land, the country. And they took a lot of the Jewish people back to Babylon. But they were a little bit different than most countries that would take over someone else. They wanted to learn. And so they're asking all these questions about their faith and their history. And guess what they learn? They learn about the prophecies. And we'll talk about those in just a moment. They learn these prophecies. They know these prophecies. Again, they're experts in religion and politics. And they connect that with this astrological phenomenon that takes place. Some say that it was uh, the alignment of planets. Some say it may have been a supernova. Uh, and, and many people, which I tend to believe, say that it was a miracle that took place with that star. And so they put these two things together and they said, well, there, there must be a new king. They head off to this place called Jerusalem. And some people ask, why did they go to Jerusalem and not Bethlehem? Well, they went to Jerusalem because that's where the king lived. That was the capital for Israel, for Judea. And so they would go there because they wanted to see the king. Because if you're the king then you probably know the new king's coming, supposedly. King is not quite aware of this. Look at verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Why would a king and why would the people both be disturbed by this story or by this, this announcement that this new king has been born? Well, first, Herod would have been afraid because he was the king. He didn't know this was happening. He was afraid he was going to be overthrown. In fact, a couple weeks ago, when we were talking about how this was a political story, we, we talked about how psychiatrists said he was probably a paranoid schizophrenic, especially towards the end of his life. He always thought someone was out to get him. Well, right here in the story, he's near the end of his life. And so he's thinking that maybe someone is coming to take his kingship from him. And so he's afraid. But also... Who else is afraid? The people of Jerusalem. Now, the reason, I think, is, is pretty um, interesting. When we think about the wise men, how many wise men do we usually talk about? Three, right. And so all the pictures that we see are three wise men on three camels with their three gifts, right? The truth is we don't know how many wise men there were. There may have only been two. It's possible there were three. There could have been 25, some scholars have looked back and figured out that in those days when these wise men would travel together different places, they usually traveled in uh, teams of 12. And so it may have been 12. Again, we don't know. We take that three because of the three presents, the three gifts, and we'll talk about those in just a moment. But these guys are important to the empire, to the Persian empire. They're not going to travel alone. They bring cooks with them. Or maybe they bring seamstresses with them, and they bring servants with them. And all the, by the way, because they're important to the government, guess who else is with them? Soldiers. Military. And so as you can imagine, you see these kingly men begin to show up, and, and they've got this big, huge posse, this entourage that is with them, and they're soldiers. People are starting to wonder, what's getting ready to happen here? So we have Herod and the people 
are all kind of disturbed by what they are seeing. And not only what they're seeing, but also what they are hearing. This new king has been born. Look at verse 4. It says, When he, this is Herod, had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. It's kind of interesting. You're the king of the Jewish people and you don't even know the prophecies. And so these wise men know the prophecies better than the king himself knew. Verse 5, here's the prophecy. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Again, these guys are they're theologians, they're astrologers, they put all of this information together, they're politicians, and they understand this baby has come into existence. And so they want to find this newborn king. And now Herod wants to find this newborn king too, but of course his reasons are different. Look at verse 9. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. There's a couple of things here that I love about these last few words. First, when it says they found the home, they were overjoyed. They, they were excited to, to see this, this king. And why I find that so interesting is because this isn't their people. This is a different nation. This is a different group. And yet they're excited about this, this king. Again, because they know the prophecies. They, they've seen the star, and this star has led them to this place. But here's what else is interesting. When they show up, it's not the scene that we have in our nativities that are in our homes, right? You know, in our homes, we have these nativity scenes with, with Joseph and Mary, and then we have baby Jesus. And then there's probably a sheep, and then you have some shepherds. Maybe there's an angel in the background. But then who else is there? Three wise men and probably a camel just kind of hanging out in the back. In that picture, um, that we've just kind of put that together because we've, we've taken from Scripture and just kind of said, all right, let's just put everybody in the same place at the same time. More than likely, those wise men were not there. They came later on. See, that 900-mile trip that they took, again, took them about six months. Now, we don't know when they left, but because Jesus was in a home, it meant that he wasn't in the manger area anymore. So he could have been anywhere from 41 days old to two years old. But these wise men, they show up and they're, they're excited because they get to see this, this baby. And what do they do when they show up? They bring gifts. Tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up. And some of you parents are going to wake up way too early because your kids are going to wake you up at like four. Um, and you're going to wake up early. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to open up presents. And you're going to have a great time doing that. Maybe your presents come in an envelope. Maybe your presents come in, in packages like this. But you're going to open those presents. And here's the deal. Those presents that you get are fitting for who you are, right? Like for Santa for a moment. Santa has a list 
checked it twice, and he definitely knows who's naughty and nice, right? So kids, you got to be naughty for about 12 more hours. Or excuse me, nice, don't be naughty. <laughs> That's a little faux pas there, sorry. Anyway, Santa's got all that stuff figured out, but Santa knows what you want and what fits you. Parents, adults, you purchase gifts, and you know what? You knew exactly what that person wanted or what fit who they were. Although I will say, probably right now in this moment in this room, there are two guys. I don't know who you are, but I'm just going to go on a limb. You're with me <laughs> thinking right now, I really forgot it was Christmas tomorrow until a few hours ago. And you wonder, does Amazon Prime, does it still deliver on Christmas Day? It doesn't. So you're in bad shape. I think the 7-Eleven is probably open 24 hours, so you can go find some gifts there. Now, more than likely, there was a bigger number of men, probably, in the name, probably around 20, 25 of you guys, that um, this morning you woke up and you said, tomorrow's Christmas, I need to go buy some Christmas presents today, right? There's a few of you in here. And so you told your, your wife, you're like, hey, I got to go do some work for a few moments, or an hour or two, I'll, I'll be back. And what you did, you ran to Target with everybody else. And you grabbed a cart and you started riding around the cart or pushing your cart around and you went to the perfume aisle and you started spraying stuff. You're like, that smells pretty good. You should probably like that. And you put that in there and then you sprayed your arm. You smell that. It's like, that smells good too. And you put that in there. Then you went to the clothing aisles, right? Pushing that cart around. And you, you held up a shirt and you're like, hmm, let's see which lady in here looks like she's about the same size as my wife. And we say, okay, yep, that, that looks like that'll fit. And you throw that in there and you find some jeans and you find some socks. You find all kinds of different things. You think, oh, she likes pink, and you throw that in there, and you're like, maybe she likes the color blue, and so you, you throw that in there, and you're like, man, I really don't know what color she likes, and so you just throw all the colors in there. You go up to the cashier, and you've got this huge old hill of all kinds of mismatched, different smelling, different looking stuff, because you're not quite sure what she likes, but that's okay, because you're a guy, and you can get away with that, all right? I'm just stereotyping most guys here. The reality is, reality is we know what fits certain people you know guys you, you know what your girlfriend or your fiance or your wife likes hopefully and, and ladies you know the same thing about your boyfriend or your best friend or your fiance or your husband you know and so you buy things that are things that they like because we know them we buy for our kids that way. Kids, you buy for your parents that way. You know their likes. You know their dislikes. You know the colors that fit who they are. See, we know their personalities and we buy according to that. That's what we see happening here in our story. These wise men show up and they bring three gifts that are perfect for Jesus. They bring gold. Gold, of course, is a precious metal. was then, it still is today. That would have represented Jesus' kingship, that he would be the king, not of Israel, not of the Jews, but, but king of all humanity. And then they brought frankincense. And frankincense is a perfume that was used in priestly duties. And so if you're a follower of Christ, you, you may know that Jesus is sometimes called the high priest. And so he's our connection between us and God. And, and so he's this high priest. And so frankincense would have been perfect for that role that Jesus plays in our life. And then myrrh. Myrrh was an anointing oil that was used sometimes in the temple and the priestly duties, but, but a lot of times it was used when people would pass away to, to keep the smell from, from wafting out too far, which would represent who Jesus would become later on in his life. See, these, these gifts that the wise men gave were perfect 
They had meaning. They had purpose. This evening, my question for us is what gift do we bring? When you look at yourself, what gift do you bring? I have a little object lesson that I want to do right now. And so I've invited a couple of people to come up here. Ann and Abby Grace, if you guys could come up here with me. Or whoever it's... I did that right. That's right. Yeah, that was right. Abby Grace, get over here, hon. You can come over here, Abby Grace. You can slide back here. That's a present for you. Yep. All right. Come over here a little bit. There you go. We're going to need your help here in a second, okay? All right, Ann, there's just going to be... And I'm going to tell you what to do here in just a moment. So we have presents here, right? There's a little game, and we need your help. Are the kids in here? Any kids? All right, so Abby Grace is going to open this gift. Ann's going to open this gift, and it's a little bit of a relay, or not a relay, it's a competition, okay? We're going to see who can open their gift and get to the prize the quickest, right? Now, some of you are like, why did I come here tonight? There's a point to this, I promise, all right? Here's the deal. So here in a second, we're going we're gonna to count down and we're going to say go, and they're going to start ripping through these gifts, okay? Or this gift. Uh, we're going to play some music, but we need some little cheering from you all in the audience, all right? So kids, you need to cheer for Abby Grace. You got it? All right, great, wonderful. <laughs> Adults, you need to cheer for Ann. You got it? There we go. On the count of three, see who can open their present the quickest. One, two, three, go. You got to stay up here. All right, Abby Grace, what'd you have? All right, $10 gift card to Target. All right, Mom, what did you have? Jesus. No, you didn't. (laughs) You didn't get Jack. There's a point to this. Here's the deal. Tomorrow morning, we're going to get up and we're going to rip up a bunch of presents. And hopefully, if we've been good, not on the naughty list, there's going to be a gift in there, right? It might be a gift card, it might be some clothing, maybe shoes. Uh, Maybe some food, if you're that type of person, that's what you enjoy getting for Christmas. But you're going to get a gift. Here's here's the way I see us, though, sometimes. It's easier to do this, to to give a gift that people open, they rip it open, and they have a present inside that they can use however they want to. What I see sometimes, though, with us is that when it comes to who we are, we don't understand that we're a gift. And we look at ourselves and we peel all the paper away and we open up all the boxes and we look at who we are inside and we're like, I don't have anything to give. Now, I'm not talking about a present like this. I'm talking about giving ourselves. And so at the end, we open it up and we're like, this is me. There's nothing here. Nothing for me to give to anybody. But you know what? We have so much that we can give. 
Anne, as a mom, is giving to Abby Grace and the rest of her kids. She gives to her husband. She gives to the school that she works at, the community that she lives in, her neighbors and this church and even beyond. Because God has created her to do that, to be that person, to be the gift to the world. Hey, it's not any different over here. Abby Grace is just the same way. She's a gift to her parents, to her siblings, to the school she goes to, to the activities that she's a part of, to this world. Because that's who God has created her to be. See, we look at the story of the wise men, and what we find is they bring a gift to Jesus. They say, this is yours. And you know what I think God says to us? We're gifts to this world, too. Maybe we can't bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Maybe we're not going to bring a, a gift card for someone. But we can bring something much better. We can bring ourselves. Amen. That is what we are here to do. That is God has created us to be. And tomorrow morning when your house is like this and you're tired after the three minutes it takes for all the kids to open up the presents or you or whatever it may be, please remember these things are fleeting. They're going to go away. We can have fun with them for a moment, but they're going to be gone. It's who we are that's important. It's the gift that we can be beyond tomorrow. I wonder what it would be like if on the 26th we woke up and we enjoyed our presence that we got. We wore the new clothes that we received. But, but more than that, we understood that we were a gift to the world that we live in. I think God could do some amazing things with that. See, the wise men gave gifts that were fitting for a king. But Jesus came to us as a gift too. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. A gift to us. A gift for us to use and to, to have a part of our life. So you know what? So that we can be a gift to the world that we live in. If I can leave you with anything, that's it for tonight. That you and I would understand we, we're a gift. And we've been given this gift because God gave his gift to us. That little, cute, sweet baby Jesus. And because of that baby being born, now we can be a gift to the world around us. This evening, to help us remind us of, of that gift and, and the gift that we are to the world, we're going to take communion together as a church family.